0: Hey, good morning. We are starting a new series called Christmas Interrupted because Christmas is a season of interruptions. Tis the season for interruptions. Think about it. It interrupts our schedules. Your schedule in December will probably look different, whether it be due to Christmas parties or Christmas vacation, which is a welcome interruption usually, and family, relatives, friends, different things go on. It just tends to interrupt our schedules. It interrupts our finances, Typically, we tend to be spenders in December, and uh, it just tends to have its impact on our finances. It interrupts sometimes our budget. Sometimes we spend more than we think, or we have less than we think. Just different things happen. Uh, it interrupts our health. There's a reason people start diets on Christmas Eve, or New Year's Eve rather than Christmas Eve. Like, there's something about the Christmas season. We're like, I got to do something about this. I got to interrupt my health. I got to change it. Studies tell us that uh, the holiday season interrupts our health emotionally. Sometimes we experience grief or depression or other emotions at different levels. If someone significant in your life uh, passed away this last year, you probably grieve it. It interrupts, kind of your emotionally interrupts, because all of a sudden you have this first holiday season without them, and it does something to you. It just impacts us in so many different ways. Uh, Sometimes it impacts... Um, us by something we invite in, or sometimes it just shows up and happens. But Christmas is a season of interruption. Sometimes a Christmas gift interrupts our life. Have you ever had a Christmas gift that all of a sudden it just took over and it interrupted everything? On an unrelated note, my kids want puppies for Christmas. My kids got puppies yesterday. Christmas came early. Christmas interrupted. Uh, What kind? They are a mixed breed of chaotic, what were we thinking, and expensive. (laughs) Kind of all mixed together. And um, they were free, which everyone, everyone, this is an important lesson. Nothing is free in life. (laughs) Nothing is free. Uh, The family gave it to us. um, And I'm thankful for that, in spite of the fact that our life is now Christmas interrupted. But we have two puppies. I think it's a Kakapo, Shih Tzu, and something else, kind of all mixed together. Anyway, um, so we have have puppies, and it interrupts our life, and it continues to do so, and it will be. And so, uh, again, it was a, it's a mix of chaos. And what were we thinking? Um, but but Christmas isn't the only time that life's interrupted. Life itself is interrupted. Phones interrupt us all the time. Uh, we get text messages, um, things, kind of chimes and reminders, and. Uh, It's got to the point where we actually lean into those interruptions and kind of seek them out at times. Technology has had a huge impact on the way our brains think and how we handle focus and attention. Uh, It's rewired the neurological pathways in our brains. But we're interrupted all the time by technology. We're interrupted. uh, Our finances get interrupted. Our health gets interrupted. Surprises happen. If you ever hear the phrase, someone tells you, hey, change of plans. Usually, I don't respond too well to that. I usually like, I like the plans. I don't want to change the plans. Change of plans sometimes cause great anxiety or challenge or frustration. But think about it. There are some interruptions in life that are good. There are some change of plans that are good. For instance, tomorrow, if you have some place to be in the morning, school, work, to care for a family, whatever it is, if you have to be up at a certain time to do that, you will probably set an alarm or have somebody do that for you that gets you up at a certain time to interrupt your sleep to get where you need to be, right? That's a good interruption. It doesn't feel good, but doesn't feel good to be out of a job either if you don't show up to work because you are sleepy. Like, you get, that's, not a, that's not a thing. And so, like, that's a good interruption. It interrupts your sleep. If you have a medical situation going on and a doctor says, let's change that. Let's try and get this healthy. And it interrupts your current unhealthy state to a healthy state. That's a good interruption. Some interruptions are good. Most interruptions are not well-received. They're challenging. And so what what we want to focus on in this series is that the Christmas account of the birth of Jesus is a story of a lot of interruptions. Everybody's plans are interrupted. Change of plans, Mary. Change of plans, Joseph. Change of plans, shepherds. Change of plans, magi. Change of plans, Herod. That didn't go well with him. Like nobody liked their plans being changed. That rattled them so much that one of the go-to statements early on with change of plans, but do not be afraid because it causes great anxiety. But here's the thing. There's some lessons in their story that's good for us, but here's what you need to know. God is a God of interruptions. Start reading in the Bible about people and see if you can look through the lens of, did God interrupt in some way in this story? And you'll see that God is a God of interruptions. And it's a good thing, but it's a scary thing. It's, it's an unsettling thing. It's a knock you off the rails kind of thing. It's challenging. But God is a God of interruptions and he does big things in and through these interrupted moments. And so much so that I would challenge you, let's start thinking of interruptions as holy interruptions. Holy means set apart, and interruption means to break into. That's what those words mean. Holy means set apart, interruption means to break into. What if God wants to break into your story to set that moment apart to do something big in you and through you? That can't happen unless there's a change of plans. These divine opportunities, these holy interruptions are, and here's how we view interruptions, they're, they're not obstacles, a lot of times when an interruption comes, we think it's an obstacle to where I was going or what I was doing or what I want. Instead, if you could view interruptions as opportunities for God to do something in your story that wouldn't happen any other way, to do something in somebody else's story that wouldn't happen otherwise. And Mary is a great example. If, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter one. If you have a Bible or if you have a phone that has one on it, you can do that. I'll share mine on the screen with you. But in Luke chapter one, <laughs> I'm getting a text in the middle of this. Isn't that awesome? Like, this is a wholly interrupted moment. Uh, I, I, will, I will tell you this. Uh, this is a good one, because uh, some of you will know this person that, that this interruption's about. Uh, some of them, it's your dad that this interruption's about. Luke and Blake over here. Mark Porter, the executive pastor at Live Oak, ran a half marathon this morning. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, Isn't that awesome in San Antonio? And I was like, what, not the full? You gotta go half? Anyway, <laughs> what marathon did you run, Doug? Anyway, I got a puppy. Pray for me. That's, that's all. That's, I, can't, I can't focus on anything else right now. But he, he ran this, and Mark Porter is, is an interruption kind of guy. I, I, he is. Like, he has such a joy. If you've ever known him, he does the welcome a lot of times. He teaches sometimes. He does first impressions. Like, Mark is such a key part of our, our team. He's, I view him as a co-senior pastor. But the thing about Mark is when he enters the room, it's an interruption. Like, he brings joy, and he just makes his presence known. And one time, we were on a conference call with architects to talk about the plans for when we redid the foyer and adding a portable for kid space and the parking. And we were on this call, and Mark was, made this kind of funny comment, and the architect stopped. And this became a meme in our office. It's actually a big hanging thing that I have under my desk. I pull it out every now. And then. It's got Mark's picture on this, and it's got the quote from the architect that says, Mark Porter, you really know how to derail a meeting. <laughs> like, he is... He is an interruption of the best possible kind. But as I'm sitting here, I'm getting a text about his race this morning. So like technology interrupts. Well, Mary's story was interrupted in Luke chapter one. Hers wasn't a text message. Text message, sometimes you get one and you're frightened. Like you go, oh, who's this from? And oh my goodness, this can't be good. Or what's this about? Like this would be frightening. Mary is interrupted by an angel. Like it's unsettling. It was unsettling for her. She interrupted and this interrupted. It was a change of plans. It changed her plans. It changed her relationship plans. It changed her health plans. It changed her travel plans. It changed uh her 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 relationships with with people. Everything changed in this moment. In Luke chapter 1 it says this. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a relative of hers, and she was the, uh, the mother of John the Baptist. And if you don't know who that is, that's fine, but it's someone else in the Bible that plays a pretty key role uh, in the life of Jesus. Uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So right now what we know about Mary, she's a virgin, she's being interrupted, by this. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What does that mean? Highly favored. The Lord is with you. By the way, the Lord is with you is the most common promise in the Bible. I am with you always. I will be with you. I am with with you. It says a ton. And she's given this promise. But for her, she's saying, what does that mean? Kind of like when someone's kind of says something, hey, you look great today. How's it going? And you're like, what do you want from me? And this is, what do we want from you? And what, what the answer is, what God wants from her, it's everything. What does God want from her that follows this? He wants her plans. Change of plans. It says this, Luke 129, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's interrupted, she doesn't understand what this meaning is about. And the thing you need to know is when God, when God interrupts, when God says, hey, change of plans, I've got a plan for you, it's unsettling. And what, one thing that we need to know is that a change to our plans does not mean a change to his plans, but it's, it, anytime God includes you, how awesome is that? The God of the universe wants to use you for something. It's awesome, it's, he's inviting you in. This is amazingly good news, but It's troubling. And it causes all kinds of questions. And in that moment, there's an opportunity. It's not an obstacle to moving your plans forward. It's an opportunity to step into his plans. And and, and here's what I want you to know this, is this. God uses these holy interruptions that can cause great fear as opportunities to express great faith. Mary has a choice. I mean, I'm assuming she does. I mean, I guess she could have said no. Spoiler alert, she doesn't, but... She could have. In this moment, she's got to either step into it or step away from it. But this is a defining moment in her life. It's a defining moment in her faith. She has an opportunity to express great faith and say, yes, or keep talking or do something. And every time these angels show up to announce a change of plans, their go-to phrase was, fear not or do not be afraid. And that's what the angel says next. The angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Mary. Easier said than done, probably. And I bet as he talks to her, I don't know if her fear decreases. I would think it increases because she starts hearing what the angel says is about to happen. And all of a sudden she realizes this changes every area of my life. All the plans I have are about to change. I bet there's some grieving involved. Life as I know it is about to change. There's some cost to this, but there's some benefit. And the thing, the thing is, when you give your life to Jesus, when you follow Jesus, when you say yes to whatever his plans are for you. And here's the thing, I think God has unique individual plans for every single one of you. I think there's a calling for every single one of you. And when we get that call, there's tremendous benefit. It is the best benefit possible for your life. But here's what you need to know. It will cost you something. Sometimes it will feel like it costs you everything. Everything. There's great cost involved. And as she hears that, do not be afraid is easier said than done. You have found favor with God. It's the second time that's been said. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And it sounds awesome, but it raises all kinds of questions and all kinds of fears. And anytime you get a change of plans, it has the potential to knock you off balance. And then she asks a fair question. How's that gonna happen? Like, I, I know how the whole babies are made thing. How is that gonna happen? What's going on here? So she says, how will this be? she asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. God doesn't always tell us how and why, but in this case, he does. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then he kind of gives her a little evidence. Hey, just so you kind of have some other things to verify this is going on, as if being pregnant is enough sign that something happened, but but here, here's something else. It's Someone else has got something going on that you can... Dialogue about this with, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was never said to be uh, to be un, and she was said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month, and here's this great promise: for no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. Do you believe that? Do you believe that no word from God will ever fail? No word from God will ever fail you or your family, or your neighbor, or your enemy, or anybody? No word of God will ever fail, period. Like, do you believe that no word, like, God's promises are true? Do you, do you believe that he's with you, that he's for you? That, that when he says you're forgiven, you may still remember it, but it's gone. He doesn't. It's forgiven. Do you believe that your life can be redeemed? that can be restored, that you're never too far gone, where God can't reach, redeem, and restore you? Do you believe you're deeply loved by the God of the universe more than you could possibly imagine, and that's who you are, and no one or nothing could ever change that? No word of God will ever fail. This is why we want you to engage in Scripture and know God's promises and his commands, all of it, because this is the truth, and it will never fail. And one of those, this idea that God's plans will never fail is important. That his plans and his purposes will always prevail. Because what appears to be an interruption to our plans can feel like the end of the world or the end of our world. But it's when you come to the end of your world that God's world sometimes begins and comes to life. No interruption, an interruption to our plans is not an interruption to God's plans. And this is a defining moment for Mary. What will she do here? And this is before Jesus was born. Her life's about to be changed by Jesus before he's ever born. How she responds here matters. And this is what she says. What if this is how we responded to God whenever we know what he wants us to do? Whether it makes sense, it's easy, it's difficult, whatever it is. What if we responded this way? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then it says the angel left. I I, I don't know if he said, good to know, or noted, or see ya. I I mean, it it just says the angel left. And she's left thinking about this. What have I just said yes to? She didn't fully know, but she said yes anyway. I am the Lord's servant. And one of the things I think that trips us up is we ask this to be the other way around. Lord, be my servant to my plans. God, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want for my life. Here's what I think is best. But Mary said, I don't even fully understand this or get this. This is going to interrupt how people see me, how people see my whole family. will there be. This is scandalous. This is life-threatening because of the, the religious laws at the time. I don't get this, I don't understand this, but I will drop my plans to grab a hold of yours. I am the Lord's servant. What's amazing in that, when you do that in that moment, and you see this from people in scripture whose lives are interrupted, and they say, I'm here to serve you, not the other way around. What you find is Jesus really is here to serve you. When you're his child, when you've given your life to him, He even said this, I have come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What you find is God is here to serve you. But when we kind of say, that's how I want it to be, I want God just here to serve me. Suddenly I just say, trying to move my plans along rather than saying, God, what is it that you have planned for my life? And the more plans we have, the harder it is to say, God, I'll surrender it all to you. And he doesn't always alter and change. As a matter of fact, who Mary was pledged to be married to, that plan continues. But it's nothing like she thought it would be. But what if, what if in that moment where you know God's asking you to do something, that you know is what he has planned for you, it's what he's commanded you, it's what he's asked of you, it's what he's invited you into, your response is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you said. That's what one translation uh, translates this verse as, I am the Lord's servant and I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. See, in this moment, Mary lives this out. God uses uh, holy interruptions as oppor- that can cause great fear as opportunities to express great faith. She has to, by faith, say yes, not knowing how it's gonna go, but trusting God at his word that he'll take care of her, that he'll use her for his good purposes. But in that moment, and this is true for our story as well, when you have a moment that causes great fear of stepping into something God wants you to do, when there's a sense of, but I'm losing something or I'm missing out on something, or I'm, I'm scared, whatever it is, in that moment, when you step forward and express great faith, it does something in you. It changes you. Your faith, however big or small that you have, it grows. And moments like this aren't just opportunities to express great faith. They're also opportunities to grow a greater faith. Your faith grows not with hearing about God, but experiencing him personally as you step in and by faith, trust him enough to let go of your stuff and grab a hold of what he's asked you to do. It's in those moments where you step out and it's scary that your faith actually grows. And Mary's defining lesson is that she found out over and over and over again, God can be trusted. It's not easy. If you look at her life, it's not easy. I mean, pretty soon she's riding on a donkey to Bethlehem. That's not easy. And she's about to give birth. How did Joseph sell that? Isn't that amazing? I and mean, it took an act of Caesar to get her on a donkey and move it. But she did it. Like, she's like, okay, let's go. And then growing up, raising Jesus, like some of the things she had to go through. It's challenging. But what happened next in her story is she goes, you know what? God really is doing something here. One, I'm really pregnant. But then other people start showing up and saying God told them the same thing. If you read on in Luke chapter two, suddenly these shepherds show up and go, weird story. So we're out watching our flocks by night. And you may have heard this from the Gospel of Luke or from Linus in the Christmas uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special. But suddenly, like, The angels told us to come here and they said you'd be in a barn. And sure enough, you are wrapped in swaddling clothes. There you are. And um, wow, this is the Messiah. And it's good news, a great joy for all the people. And then we're gonna go tell people about that. I bet at that moment, Mary's going, huh, who would have thought this? And God's telling other people too. And they believe it. Like they see that God's doing something here. I bet her faith was verified and it grew. And then they show up and they do as every Jewish family would do. They take their child to the temple as was the custom. And as they're there, they bump into this guy named Simeon. You can read about this in Luke chapter two. And he was promised by God that he would not die before the Messiah was born. And he was getting up there in age. And one day he's in the temple and he looks over and he goes, that's him. So he kind of goes up to Mary and Joseph or calls them over or something happens and they get together and he says, this is the Messiah. God promised me I would live to see it. God, I can die now. I've seen the Messiah. And they're, they're just amazed. And then he leans in and he says something to Mary. Imagine, imagine being Jesus' parents. Imagine it's your kid. And he says this. As the child's father and mother marveled at what he had said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. She's about to hear this about her child. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then imagine hearing this phrase and thinking, what does this mean? And a sword will pierce your own soul too. And again, this change of plans has a cost. And she would probably many times in life experience her soul being pierced, her heart being broken by seeing Jesus. Sometimes he's drawing a great crowd of people who are listening in and leaning and she sees miracles and she's like, wow, God with us. And he's my son. I can't believe this This is amazing. And then the crowd turns. And they beat him. And they say things about him. They humiliate him. They they put a crown of thorns on him, mocking him to be a king. They whip him to an inch, inch of his life. They nail him to a cross and she watches him die. I wonder if she thought back and going... I thought he was going to reign on the throne, not be nailed to a cross. What is this? And and then she sees the sword pierce his side. That had to pierce her soul. She had to, at this point be thinking, what is happening? And then imagine three days later. Jesus is alive. And suddenly she starts seeing everything change in the people around her. These people that ran and hide had a bold faith. Kind of like the faith that she had when she originally said yes and she sees how Jesus has changed lives and then he kind of says, I'm giving it all to you but I will send my Holy Spirit to empower you. And they go and they change the world. And it all goes back to this one moment where an angel shows up and says, change of plans. She's afraid but she says yes the ultimate question in life is can god be can god be trusted do i trust god enough to hold my plans with an open hand and even lay them down do i trust god enough to follow his plans and follow his commands that will show up in the interrupted moments where god says you're heading this way, but change of plans. The, the so what, the takeaway from Mary's story is that it's a story of interruptions because God's a God of interruptions and an interruptions to our plans does not mean an interruption to his plans and his plans are very good and nothing will keep him from fulfilling his, his plans and his promises. And in those moments, our faith, however big or small, is greater than whatever our fear is. It's greater. And this idea that God can be trusted is a lesson that we learn over and over and over again because that's what requires faith to grow over time. A bigger faith requires sometimes a bigger step. And these interruptions are not obstacles. They're opportunities. What I want to challenge you to do is acknowledge that you need God to break into your life. We're here to serve him, not the other way around, although he is a servant to us. He served us at the cross. He serves us every day with his presence. But ultimately what he says is, do you trust me enough to give me your plans, to give me your hopes, to give me your dreams, to give me your desires? And when you acknowledge your need for God to break into your life, he'll do it. So invite him in. He won't kick the door down but he will show up and in sometimes some spectacular ways. But ultimately, if you would invite Jesus to break into your life, to interrupt your life, he will. And ultimately, if we don't, in some moment, invite him in to break into our life, our life is heading for a destiny away from him and separated from him. That our destiny, apart from Christ, is hopeless. But he came to change that and invite us and in to have a, future of hope and an eternity of presence with him, not separated from him. But ultimately, it requires us to invite him in and to give our lives to him so he can give his life to us. You know, one of the miracles of Christmas is the fact that the God of the universe would show up in the muck and mire of this stable. In the mess of a stable. But the bigger miracle is the fact that the God of the universe wants to show up in the muck and the mire and the mess of my life and your life. That he didn't just show up then. What he's promised is, I will give my life to you when you give your life to me. And I will live my life in you and through you. And if you have given your life to Jesus, you have the most high God right there in your life. He is with you. This makes sense of kind of what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6. He says this, do you not know that your bodies?" are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Your life is a temple. It's the place where the Holy Spirit lives and dwells because what what Jesus has done for you and giving his life to you when you give your life to him. This temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Think of that. God born in a manger, wow. But God in my heart, in my life, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Here's how it happens. It says, whom you have received from God. You have to receive him. And then it says this, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Your life belongs to him. So anytime it's a change of plans, it's his plans anyway. It's his life anyway. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your relationships, your thoughts, your words, your actions. With everything you do, you have a chance to let God work, to live his life in you and through you. That's the great miracle of Christmas, I think, that that God would give his life to us to live it through us. It's an amazing thing. So this week, something's going to interrupt you. It's going to interrupt your plans. Change of plans. And if you could learn to view interruptions differently, you'll be different because I think God will change you and he'll use you in that moment. Sometimes he'll do something that grows your faith or maybe grows the faith of somebody else. And how we respond to interrupted moments makes a difference. So let it make a difference in you. And follow Mary's example. I am the Lord's servant. God, I'm your servant. May everything you said be true in my life. Let's stand for closing prayer. Hey, next Sunday, some people have said yes by faith to taking their next step. They've given their life to Christ and they're making that public, uh, as Jesus commanded us to do through baptism. So, between services next week in this room, uh, I, I think it was at least six people. I can't remember the number. About some were kids and some were adults are saying yes to Jesus by being baptized. I would love for you to be here to celebrate with them. So, if you come to the service normally, come early. If you usually you'll go to the first service, stay late between services we have several being baptized. Let's cheer them on and encourage them as they by faith take their next step. Agreed? God, thanks that you love us and that you're for us. when, When it says we were bought with a price, I don't think we can even begin to understand how big of a price you paid. It cost you everything. But because of that, we've been given this ultimate gift of new life in Christ. Forgiveness, redemption, mercy, the fact that you want to live your life in us and through us each and every day, which is what we need because we know some of the things you ask us to do. We cannot do it on our own, but you can do that in us and through us when we surrender control to you. God, I pray that we would have a moment where we acknowledge our need for you to break into our lives and we would invite you to change our plans to make sure that they're your plans. God, I pray that you would grow our faith this week as we express faith and take a step to whatever you ask us to do, that we would do that and our faith would be grown and verified as as true as we see you show up as only you can do. God, I pray you would grow a great faith in us by interrupting our story and including us in your story. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front. The bells on Christmas Day